both men and women. I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will, will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And we jump over to verse 37. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for, all the, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your, ch and your children, and for all who are far off, for all, for all whom the Lord our God will call. With many other words he warned them and pleaded with them, Save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted this message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to the number that day. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, and to fellowship, to breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts, they broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and, and enjoying the flavor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Brilliant. Well, I'm excited about, uh, excited about this. How about we pray and ask that God would help us. Heavenly Father, thanks for this word uh, that's just been read. I pray that you would prepare our hearts. Speak to us by your Holy Spirit, I ask, Father, so that you may transform our church to truly be adventurous. And I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, well, let's, uh, let's start off with this question. Uh, what's the most adventurous thing that you've ever done? Heidi, it was reading, was it, just then? <laughs> no, Paul? Where shall I start? Where shall I start? Um, Paul's a scuba diver, so that kind of gives you some sort of idea of where you might start, but I'm sure there's lots of other things. What would you say, mate? Uh, caving. When I got stuck caving underground. That's pretty cool. <laughs> okay, caving underground, getting stuck. Brilliant, that's pretty cool. Uh, Someone else, some, the most adventurous thing you've ever done? Fantastic. That's very cool. Someone else, yeah? Uh, eating guinea pig in Peru. Eating guinea pig in Peru. All right, yes, that does, <laughs> does fall into that category. Someone else? Okay, Joy? No? Getting married. Getting married, ah! Oh. Well, we know Tom, so we can understand why. <laughs> so, um, uh, I was in, uh, after high school, I was in um, New Zealand, a place called Waitoma, and uh, we got handed uh, tyre inner tubes for a truck sort of this size. And uh, they had us go down to the river and jump off a jetty. And we had to practice as we jumped off the jetty, taking the tyre in a tube and putting it under our bottom so that you'd land in it when you jumped off the jetty, right? So we all practiced that. That was fine. And then they gave us wetsuits, which are about that thick, and an inner tube and a helmet with a light on it. And we said, we're taking you up the mountain. Okay. So we went into the mountain uh, through a hole that would have been about this high, squeezing the tubes in as we went until we got in the mountain to a waterfall inside the mountain. 
And then we had to do what we'd practised on, um, on the wharf and jump inside the cave off the waterfall and land uh, in our inner tubes, uh, something like that. And that was pretty cool. But I'll tell you what was even more cool. Once you'd done that, we all then formed into a big snaky chain, right, because the river's flying on like this. You grab somebody else's ankles and put them underneath your armpits. And this is what you end up seeing. A glowworm cave flowing through the middle of the mountain, totally silent, totally dark, except for this constellation of glowworms going over your head. Now that, that was cool. That was, that was a pretty awesome adventure. Um, now, have I done something like that last year? No. Have I done it in the last five years? No. I would say I haven't done something as adventurous as that in that probably the last ten years. So here's a question. Uh, it, it follows on from this quote. I want you to hear this beautiful quote from Theodore Roosevelt. Uh, Far better is it to dare mighty things, to win glorious triumphs, even though checked by failure, than to rank with those poor spirits who neither enjoy much nor suffer much because they live in a grey twilight that knows not victory nor defeat. Now, in, in my mind, I go, yeah, I want to live like that. Maybe, maybe you don't, okay? But I, I think that's fantastic. And I love that you can fail, but you'll never know. You'll never know unless you kind of try. So I want to know, what's stopping us being adventurous? What's stopping us being adventurous? Fear of Yeah, that's a great answer, isn't it? Fear of failure. Responsibilities. Responsibilities. Absolutely. There's, there's a bunch of things that end up weighing on us. It may be, uh, it may be cash, you know. I, I can't afford to be as adventurous as, I, as I'd like to be. I, I want to suggest some things that I think are enemies of the adventurous life. You guys have suggested some. Here's some that I thought about earlier. Some enemies of the adventurous life. Comfort. It's not comfortable to jump off a waterfall. It's not. Um, it's not comfortable to lug your scuba gear around the place before you get in the water, right? So you might decide that's just too much of a hassle, so I'm going to... Well, this is what I think is the picture that kind of sums up, sums up our life, right? Uh, it's the, I like that, I won't bother to do it, I just like it. You know what I mean? Like someone says they've done some amazing thing and our computer or phone response is like... It's not, I'll join you, is it? It's not, I can't wait to get out and get involved in that. It's like. I just think that's so weak. In fact, I think this characterises our whole lives. Okay? I, I think we're far happier blobbing out than getting out there and actually living a life that makes a difference. So I actually think the most insidious thing that stops us living adventurously is the sheer comfort that we, we enjoy. And, you know, even right now, we have the joy of having an air conditioner running in here. We're not sweating. Well, you might be sweating a little bit. But, honestly, our, our life is temperature regulated. It's, we have a very comfortable life. And I think it starts to dull us down to thinking adventurously. So, first problem, I think, is comfort. Second one, what I've called the cult of busy. So, can I come and see you this week at your place? Ah, uh, can I just... I've just got to check my diary and... Oh, well, maybe not this week. It could be next... Oh, no. Um, we've just got a storm of stuff on. In fact, I think quite often our lives look a little bit like that. It's just... It's bright and it's colourful and it's crazy and it's just going round and around at a million miles an hour. And so being adventurous, where do I fit that in? 
Uh, and that goes to responsibilities because we've picked up all these different things that we've got on and so we're just doing stuff. But hardly any of it is adventurous. Here's a third one I've thought about as the enemy of the adventurous life. Career. You can call it work. You can call it your job. But I think this idea that I'm trying to get ahead somewhere in a work world can often dominate our thought processes. In fact, it can take the best of us so that there's not very much left for anything that could be deemed adventurous. Now, it may not be you, and you may not be stopped by all of these. In fact, you may be happily employed doing something that doesn't ask everything of you or that asks good things of you, and you can be adventurous there. It's all possible. I'm just saying I think sometimes we get locked down to a vision that says, my advancement in this place is my top order priority. Another enemy of the adventurous life. Consumerism. You know, we get that pile of stuff. I I, I did it for a couple of weeks, uh, a couple of years ago. I just kept a week's worth of stuff that came in. And it was like this thick of things telling me that I needed to upgrade this, that this thing was out of date, that I should buy this, that my life would be better, that I could be here, that I could... And so we have this mentality that basically says, I want... And we fixate on purchases instead of people. On things instead of what God would have us called to do. So I think consumerism is another thing that kills the adventurous life. Now I want to say this one here. Um, I I love kids. We love them. Okay, We love kids. But they can be a, a stumbling block to the adventurous life. Here's why, I think. I think they can be because we can decide I'm not going to be adventurous because I couldn't take my kids through that. goes to responsibility. So some friends of mine, uh, they have just moved their whole family across to Fiji so they can speak to people in Fiji about Jesus. They've taken them out of schools, they've taken them away from friends, they've taken them away from their family. They're living in a Pacific island where they know this many people so far. Now, lots of people will have told them, don't do it, it's not good for your kids. The other way that kids can stop us being adventurous is that we decide, well, actually, my kids' advancement is my primary purpose in life, and so I'll put everything else aside to pursue that goal. Kids are great, but they can stop us living the adventurous life. Now, for instance, my my parents took me to Darwin when I was seven, uh, and I survived. In fact, we had a great time. My parents did it because I think it was an economic reality, but it was adventurous, and we didn't die. Let's, let's take our kids on adventures with us rather than letting them stop us being adventurous. And uh, here's, how, here's this one. Now, I think what stops us living an adventurous life is this. Uh, it's having no one to follow who's in your sphere of trusted people who's living adventurously. Who am I looking to who's my model of daring? Who's setting a course that isn't just about Yep, same thing again and let's switch the TV on and go to bed late and wake up early and do the things again that we always do. Who's setting the agenda for me? Who's modelling what it looks like to be adventurous? I think we're out of examples quite often. So what are my enemies of the adventurous life? It may be that we're really comfortable. It may be that we're too busy to fit adventure in. It may be that we're obsessed with career. Or we're just waiting to upgrade whatever it is. That's our focus. Maybe that our kids... Our kids have become the focus. 
or the thing that's stopping us being adventurous. Or it may simply be that we have no examples to copy. So what's our picture of adventurous right here at New Life Anglican Church? I want to remind you of what it was that um, Matt preached on last week. Now, Matt preached last week and he said, I know God's will for you. It's a pretty radical thing to say, wasn't it? Can you remember what God's will was? That we be sanctified, that we live for God's glory. That's God's will. So what's our picture of adventurous depending on? It's depending on the fact that we want to live for God's glory and that we will see new life come to every home. We think that's a super adventurous goal. How are we going to do that? Now, I'm going to guess you don't have one of these in front of you. Carrie, do you want to hand them out? It's up on the screen. All right. If you don't have one, we'd love to get you one. Here it is. This is our little map on how we're supposed to, uh, to live for Jesus. And we say two things. We talk about giving the message of new life, which is getting the message out there. And on the other side, we talk about living new life for Jesus. And this series that we're doing at the moment is telling us how to live new life for Jesus. Matt did last week being faithful, committing ourselves to be disciples of Jesus. And this week, we're looking at being adventurous. What does that look like? Here's what adventurous looks like. It means daring in the spirit. Daring in the spirit. And we've got three questions we want to ask you when we have coffee with you and sit down that we want you guys to discuss with each other. And these three questions are like this. How are you boldly sharing your life and faith? How are you boldly sharing your life and faith? Second question. What are you praying for that only God can do? What are you praying for that only God can do? Thirdly, how is the kingdom of God, that vision of the world, how is that shaping your time, your talents, the things that you do well, how are you using them, and your treasure? How is the kingdom shaping how you use your money? And we include money under adventurous, because that really is crazy if God's shaping that. That's brilliant. All right. So who should be doing this? Who should be living like this? Well, last week, Matt gave us a really helpful turn of phrase. And this is how we want to be speaking to you guys. We want to be speaking to you as apprentices of Jesus. As apprentices of Jesus. So who should be living an adventurous life? If anyone in the whole world should be, it should be people who are apprentices of Jesus. Now your picture can be actually the most boring, predictable, dull people I know are Christians. right? You could say that. But that would be a travesty if we're disciples, if we're apprentices to a master like Jesus. That would be to totally miss the point. So we're saying, who should be living the adventurous life? Apprentices of Jesus. Well, if we're all supposed to be like that, and we're following Jesus, who definitely lived an amazing life, what are the barriers to us personally living an adventurous life? As Christians, what's our biggest barrier? Maybe some of those things. I want to suggest it's one thing in particular. One of the amazing things about being an apprentice is you can't be an apprentice solely from a workbook and in a classroom. You can't be an apprentice solely from a workbook and in a classroom. What you have to do is you have to know the master and you have to join them on the job. Know the master and join them on the job. So if we're called to be apprentices to Jesus, right, it can't just be that you know the book well, although I hope you do. It can't just be that you read about the great exploits of other people, although I hope you do. It has to be that we personally, that you individually know Jesus 
and on top of that, as well as knowing him, that we're involved in what he's involved with, that we're joining him on his mission field. And so I want to suggest the biggest challenge for us, the biggest challenge for us as God's church, is this word, Christlessness. Christlessness. That we live a Christianity that's more framed by where we turn up and that by the things that we do on a checklist than it is by a passionate relationship with our Saviour. I know about Jesus. Do I know Jesus? Would I say that I love him? That I'm passionately trying to live like him? Now that's challenging, isn't it? Lord, help us not to be Christless. And, and I think this is, this is my picture for that. Right? Is, is Jesus silent on the matter? Does Jesus not invite us to follow him? Why is it that his church isn't doing it as much as it could? I, I think it's because we're doing something else. We're focused on a whole bunch of other things. And we won't hear the call of our master to be apprentices to him. I think we need to pick up the tools. I think we need to get involved in God's mission in the world. Now, when I say that, you might say, oh, okay, so go home from church today and I just need to scrunch up my fist and get on with it and just kind of guts it out. I need to try harder. Now, at some level, maybe that's what you have to do. Okay? So if that's what your application for the sermon is today, go home and do it. Okay? But here's the thing. It's not just you on your own. I think as Christians, we too often forget our greatest resource. So let's open up our Bibles. We're in Acts chapter 2. Uh, you'll remember where that was. Uh, it's on page... No, I don't have the same page. Uh, it's on page, you'll tell me. 1092. Brilliant. And I'm looking at verses 32 and 33. Now, this is an amazing part. This, what we just read uh, this morning is the launching of the church. And uh, the Bible says that the church started with 120 people meeting in a room. 120 people meeting in a room. Are there a few more than that today? Absolutely. What was it that transformed those 120 people so that they, literally under God, transformed the world? That's what we're reading about here this morning. And so Peter says in, uh, in verse 32, God raised this Jesus to life, and we're all witnesses of it. Exalted to the right hand of God, he has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit and has poured out what you now see and hear. So, that's great. Let's just recap what's happened. Jesus has died for our sins on the cross, which is brilliant, awesome, he died, they put him in a tomb. Jesus didn't stay there. He was resurrected. Not only resurrected to life again, he ascended to the right hand of the Father. So what does that mean? That's all lots of stuff. God is ruling on his throne in heaven and Jesus is ruling with him. He has conquered everything, including death. Jesus now stands unopposed by anything in the universe. He rules over all. That's awesome. Not only that, but he pours out on his people, you and me, the Holy Spirit, the one that was promised 
God has come to live in the hearts of his people. So as apprentices, what do we forget? Apprentices, your master has conquered death and pours out power. So who am I I following? I'm following a guy who's good on the tools. Right? Well, that's good. I'm following a guy who's conquered death. I'm following a guy who's victorious over Satan. I'm following a guy who gives me power to do what he is doing. Bring it on. So God says that the Holy Spirit has been poured out on the church. Now, when everyone heard this, they said, Oh, Peter, that sounds awesome, and we sound like we did the wrong thing when we crucified Jesus. So what, what should we do? What should we do? Because we crucified Jesus. And Peter says, in uh, verses 38 and 39, he says, Repent and be baptised, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. By the way, if you haven't done that, that's where we'd like to start with you. Repent and be baptised. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, all whom the Lord our God will will call. So what does God say? If you repent, if you are baptised, God will give you the Holy Spirit. Now what does that mean? If 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 you're not familiar with this, what does that mean? Uh, It does not mean... Uh, that all of a sudden you'll become a preacher on TV. It does not mean that you'll get a bolt of lightning come through you and all of a sudden you'll be doing weird things. Not necessarily, although there's some of that in in the New Testament. What it means is that God himself will come and take up residence in your heart. The Holy Spirit. We believe that God is Father, Son and Holy Spirit. And when God says, I'll never leave you or forsake you, the way he's able to do that is that he'll come and live in our hearts by his Holy Spirit. What kind of spirit is it that lives in us? A Holy Spirit. What will be the job that he'll do in us? He'll work holiness in us. That's what Matt was talking about last week. Being sanctified, being changed to be more like God. So the brilliant resource for the apprentice of Jesus is that God himself will come and live in us and empower us to live God's way. That's that's a pretty generous offer, isn't it? Apprentices, you have the master present wherever you go. That's pretty great. So wherever I am, wherever I'm going on my adventure, I can know that God's with me. And so riding riding an elephant in India, I know God's with me. I knew that. When I'm down in a cave... In New Zealand, I knew God was with me. He will never leave me. He'll never forsake me. On a mission to Vanuatu, talking to people in a village, God's with me. He goes before me. That's the power available for people who are apprentices to Jesus. So who should we copy? Where where are our examples? So if you're looking around and going, I don't know, who who are the adventurous people I should copy? Well, the the best thing is the the Bible's full of them, Right? And the, uh, the bit that Heidi read for us is from Hebrews chapter 11, uh, which if you haven't called it this before is great. It's called the Hall of Faith. Okay, the Hall of Faith. The faithful people in the past. And we can look there and see what they did and we can go, I want to be like that. So have a listen to the way they're spoken of here. In Hebrews chapter 11 and verses 3 to 16. It says, uh, it says these beautiful, uh, sorry, 13 to 16. It says these beautiful things. All these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance. 
admitting that they were foreigners and strangers on earth. People who say such things show they are looking for a country of their own. If they'd been thinking of of their country they had left, they would have had opportunity to return. Instead, they were longing for a better one, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. Who should we be chasing after? Great people who did great things for God. We should lift up our eyes and go, you know what? I can be, I can be God's person in my street. I can be God's person in my workplace. I can be God's person in my family. God can bring an incredible change into the world through you. He's not waiting for the special weird people. Can I say that? He actually believes that you can be his apprentice, that you can make a change where you are, that no one else can. So the question is, are we willing to do it? Are we willing to be those people? Apprentices will live for the master's plan, the city that's yet to come. They will believe for things that don't exist yet. And and the best example of this for us, guys, is there's a block of land up on the hill up there, isn't there? And we're meeting here. Have we received the full prompt? No. (laughs) We, We haven't received yet a big church building. That's okay. We love where we are. Where are we expecting? Lord, build a house for the people of God on the hill up there. Why? Not because we want to not have to put chairs out again. Because I want to see 500 people meeting on Sunday morning. I want to see a second service of 500 people there. I want the evening to be filled with 500 youth coming along. I want us to believe that God can do something extraordinary here. Not because you and I are awesome, but because God has amazing plans for the world and all the resources of heaven are at our disposal. What God's looking for is people are ready to go on an adventure. So what are the costs? You know, Jesus says to us, he says, take up your cross and follow me. That's pretty costly. But I want you to see the impact that following Jesus had on the people that Peter spoke to. Have a look back with uh, with me in Acts chapter 2, verses 42. What did they do after they were baptised and repented and received the Holy Spirit? They went on living the same normal, boring lives. Not true. Have a look what they did. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold their property and possessions and gave to everyone as they had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favour of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Bring that picture on, hey? Get transformed by the Holy Spirit. Become a group of people who will live a different life. A different life. We'll never be the same if God grabs hold of us and changes us. So apprentices change their focus forever. What's our passion now? Living for God's plan and his community so that we may win the world. Please note what adventurous is not. I feel I need to say this. So one of our values of our church, we're being faithful, we're being adventurous, we're being compassionate, we're we're going to be an enduring church. What does it mean if I tell you we want to be an adventurous church? I want to say these two things. It does not mean, it does not mean blokes only. See the guy sitting around, shirts off, having a huddle. 
If it sounds blokey to say that we're adventurous, okay, I want to say to the ladies, I love you. I believe you can be adventurous, okay? And many of you already are, so I'm not teaching you to be something you're not. But here's the thing. It's not a bloke's only thing. It's not an excuse to start a men's ministry. It's a call for all of us to live passionately engaged in God's world. So it's not a bloke's only club. Secondly, being an adventurous church doesn't mean we'll just do crazy stunts. Okay? It doesn't mean that we'll put a gorilla on top of the, um, the, 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 the school here so that people know where to find us. Okay? It doesn't mean that. We might do some things that are unusual, but we're not, do, we're not doing stunts because we're trying to be adventurous. Okay? Not about stunts. It's about living boldly. In fact, I've got it on this next slide. What does adventurous mean? I think it means boldly living for God's vision, that there's a world in peril, that we have the greatest news in the universe and that you and I are entrusted with us. Will we boldly live like that? God's vision. Unless we think it's just about you trying harder, no, 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 do it with God's power. I'll show you how you do this. I want to talk to someone. I've connected I've cared, and now I want to communicate. This, this is our thing. Yeah, connect, care, communicate. What am I doing? Well, before I have tea with them or supper or I invite them over to my place or whatever, I just pray, Lord, you know what? I'm not one of those smart evangelist kind of people. I'm not one of these people who can say incredible things. But, Lord, you're here. Help me. Help me to speak clearly about Jesus today. What's the cool thing about that? We're so dependent. We're trusting God, not ourselves. We won't be arrogant in that case, will we? God, I need your help. I can't do this on my own. God, by his Holy Spirit, will supply the power for us to live adventurously. And this is what we do. This is what we do. We talk with people. That's the picture of the adventurous life. It's not Felix Balgava or whatever his name is, jumping out of a, jumping out of a, um, a balloon at 102,000 feet. That, that's not our picture of adventurous. My picture of adventurous for our church is our church talking to people who live around us. And you say, that, that, that's really easy. That's not very radical at all. And I say, brilliant, you're already on board. That's fantastic. But you know what? It is adventurous and it will change the world. So what could our church be like? What could our church be like if you and I decided that we were going to live adventurously? Now because I love my wife, um, I, I filled this page up with things that could be different if we lived adventurously, right? I'm not going to read them all out because I love my wife. But I want you to... Because she's, she's encouraging me to say less rather than more. Okay, so that's... Um, I want you to think that if this, if this value of adventurous took heart, if it grabbed us here, I want you to know I think we'd be a different church. A different church than one you've gone to before. Tell you why. Firstly, I think we'd be overflowing with thankfulness. Because those who take great risks and pray great prayers, guess what? Get to give great thanks. And those who pray nothing and expect nothing, get nothing. I want us to be adventurous church because we are praying for things that only God can do. Bring it on. I think what would happen if we're an adventurous church is that we would see our neighbours starting to turn up at church. People who live right next door to us. That you would be blown away that people you've got in your hearts right now who you wished would know Jesus will be sitting next to you one day. I reckon that would blow your mind. 
You think of the people who you reckon can never come to God. I want you to start praying for them. And I want us, because we're an adventurous church, to rejoice with you when they start coming to faith. I want us to be a church who doesn't ask what went wrong when we try something, but ask what can we learn. So rather than going, you did that, didn't you? You were responsible for that kooky idea. We go, you know what, that was pretty awesome, and it fell on its face. (laughs) And we together are able to have a laugh like that and go, it was worth trying. Why? Because the stakes are so high, because we love people and we're willing to try stuff to see them come to know God. And so we ask, what do we learn, not whose fault is that? What will it look like if we're a church who are transformed by a vision of the kingdom? If it changes our time, our talents and our treasure? Well, we'll start living lives that are different. If, if we let the kingdom of God change our treasure, not only will Matt and I be paid for full-time, which would be brilliant, but we will start thinking about putting on a kids' worker and a youth worker. We'll think about one of the families sitting here today being sent on mission overseas somewhere. We will think about the difference that this church can make here in Oran Park Town and the whole of the growing southwest. We will be a church who, somewhere down the track, let's say five years' time, are planting a congregation in Catherine Field, just up the road there. Now, that's a ridiculous thought today, isn't it? Yeah? What if we grabbed hold of God's vision and we said, we want to be that church? Not because we're important, but because God's mission is important, because his power is sufficient. Adventurous, daring in the spirit. That's the kind of church that we want to be. Now, here's some practical things you can do. People go, what do do I do with the sermon? Okay, here we go. Next weekend, on Saturday, at the retirement village across the Oval just here, we're going to cook a barbecue for the residents of the retirement village. 11.30 to 1 o'clock. If you can't make it, I understand you're busy. That was calling back to the start, you see. That's good, right? Okay. Um, We're going to cook a barbecue. All you're doing, what are we doing? We're connecting and we're caring, okay? So if you can be around 11.30 on the grass outside the retirement village there, we're going to cook a barbecue for them. Why? Because I want to connect so that we can start to care for them so that we might communicate. Now, this is the one where you start to go... So barbecues are easy, right? Here's the one that's adventurous. Church, here's the big banner thing, adventurous. Uh, This was us last Easter. Can you see that? On top of the hill at Easter time last year, we invited everyone in Oran Park to join us for a dawn Easter service. 40 people came. That's brilliant. There's more people now. What I want you to do, church... You ready? I want you to join me and Matthew as we invite every home in Oran Park personally, we'd love you to come and join us on the hill on Easter Sunday morning. So that's what I want you to start working up to. Okay? We're going to invite personally everyone in Oran Park Town. Sounds adventurous now, doesn't it? All right, we want you to pray. We're going to help you know how to pray, and we'll tell you more about that in our um, uh, membership course, which is coming up. So what do we want you to do? We want you to sign up for the membership course. We want you to come along next Saturday. We want you to prepare for inviting for people to come at Easter. That's Oran Park from the air. My question to you, church, is who's feeling adventurous? I'm going to pray that you might be. (coughs) Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your great love for us. Thank you that Jesus died and rose again. 
thank you that you didn't just ask us to do difficult, hard, impossible things, but instead, Father, you sent your Holy Spirit to live in the hearts of your people. Help us to live as apprentices of Jesus, empowered by your Holy Spirit to bring new life to every home. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, uh, underneath your seats are uh, a Caring Connect card, which looks like, <coughs> actually, magically, I've got it on the screen. <laughs> Very good. Can I encourage you uh, to fill that in? That would be fantastic. I'm going to give you a moment to do that. Um, if you're a regular with us, uh, I would still like you to fill it in. So you can say, hi, Stuart, I'm here. You already know my details. You can say that on the card. The reason we want to be doing this is because we want the people who come for the first week to not feel like they're the only people filling it in. Okay, that's important. On top of that, we also want you to be free to be able to say, hey, uh, I've actually got something that I'd like you to pray for this week. Okay? And, and no one else needs to know, Matt and I will pray for it this week. Okay? Or alternatively, you might like to tell us you'd like to have someone come over for a visit.